Something to note, Journey to the West is a legend that has been retold many times. For direct quotes, we've relied on Anthony C. Yu's 1983 translation. Our story may be different from the ones you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy it. But be warned, today's episode contains dramatizations of graphic violence and some disturbing images. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. Peace is a fragile thing. We don't know how precious it is until it's lost. I was born in a village by the heaven-reaching river. We were a small community, too small even to be bothered by local bandits. My father thought that it was a safe place to raise a family. Then the monster came. It didn't come like a conqueror from another kingdom, but swam up the river quiet as an eel. In the night, we would hear its terrible roar and see our numbers diminish before its ravenous appetite. We were at its mercy until the day the monks came. There are many stories about Tripitaka, the monk from the east, about his disciple Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, and the immortal woman who guided them on their journey to enlightenment, Bodhisattva Guanyin. However, I remember them most for when they passed through my village, when they fought the monster that had terrorized us for so long, and how they revealed its true nature, a visage I will never forget. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. This week, we're revisiting the Chinese epic Journey to the West to tell another exciting adventure from this legendary saga. Today's episode comes from chapters 48 and 49 of the 100-chapter novel, almost the midpoint of Tripitaka's journey. It sees our heroes pitted against a mysterious river spirit with a vicious appetite. You can find all episodes of Mythology, including our other Journey to the West episodes, for free on Spotify. Coming up, our heroes find a safe haven on the road, only to realize they're in grave danger. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. 
Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Early morning mist hung over the trees. Sunlight pierced the canopy above, sparkling off the river like diamonds. A sign by the road called it Heaven-Reaching River, and it did look truly heavenly. Chubachi didn't care about any of that. The pig lumbered through the underbrush one step at a time, grumbling to himself as he went. Everything about this journey had been horrible. He'd been living a good life in exile from heaven until that monk and his infuriating monkey had ruined everything. He'd been forced to swear vows that he would not eat meat, lust after women, or commit undue acts of violence. Basically, to never have fun ever again. Years of traveling had made him bitter and resentful. I was once commander of Heaven's Navy. What right do they have to treat me like a pack animal? This journey will never end. Hiya, Pigsy. Tired already? I thought you'd gone ahead. I could never leave you behind, Pigsy. You have all our food with you. Har, har. Leave me be, Sun Wukong. You're like a gnat in my ear, always buzzing when I want to rest. I'm going to keep buzzing until you pick up your pack and get moving. Wait, what's that over there? You really think I'm that gullible? You want me to look the other way while you go whimpering back to Master? I'm not playing tricks on you. There's bandits, and they're carrying off a young woman. Ha! Nice try, Pigsy. Not all of us are so easily distracted by the sight of a helpless maiden. I swear to Buddha, I'm not... Look here! Uh, Hey, watch the neck! Chu Bachi took Sun Wukong by the ears and turned his head to face where he'd been pointing. Sun Wukong blinked in surprise. Amazingly, the pig was not lying. Through a gap in the trees, he could see armed men marching by, and on the shoulders of one of them was a girl, hands and feet tied with rope. The pig and the monkey exchanged a look. Feel like being heroes? Do you even have to ask? It looks like there's 10 of them. You draw their attention so that I can rush the two holding the lady. We'll break their vanguard before they even know what hit them. Remember, Master doesn't want us to kill anyone. Since when have you cared about following the rules? Since... shut up! Hey! No fair! Wait for me! The ruffians didn't even have time to draw their weapons before the two spirits were upon them. Sun Wukong reached them first, knocking the legs out from under the first men he encountered. He wielded his iron rod like a cudgel, but refrained from hitting any of them hard enough to kill. Chu Bachi was beside him a moment later, spinning his rake in a fearsome whirlwind. Three of the men charged him, only to have their swords broken like twigs. The two men carrying the young woman took one look at each other and fled. A handful of guards covered their retreat with spears. Pigsy, launch me! 
Sun Wukong jumped into the air, curling himself into a ball. Chu Bachi raised his rake and swatted the monkey as hard as he could. Sun Wukong hurtled into the group of men like a missile, knocking them aside and dazing the ones that remained standing. He struck their weapons out of their hands, broke a kneecap or two, and gave the final guard a sound thwack around the head. Within moments, all the bandits were lying on the ground, moaning and clutching their injuries. The girl who they'd been transporting lay by the side, trying to wriggle free of her bonds. Chu Bachi ran over and undid her restraints. Do not worry, little lady. You are safe now. He straightened, expecting her to throw her arms around him in thanks. Instead, she slapped him across the face. Ow! You horrible monsters! Don't you know better than to attack innocent villagers? I didn't see any innocent villagers here. I saw heavily armed ruffians, kidnappers, one might say. The only kidnappers I see here are you. They had you tied up. I allowed them to. You what? Chubachi, I think this young girl may be suffering from some form of delusion, like when prisoners fall in love with their captors. I have heard of this condition. Someone really should think of a name for it. I can hear you both. <laughs> My lady, I'm so sorry for the misunderstanding. We will make sure these men get proper care for their injuries. But first, where is your family? Uh, perhaps we can take you to them. My family is right here. That there is my father. The one next to him is my uncle. The one whose knee you busted in is my cousin. It's worse than we thought. You know what, Pigsy? I think she might be telling the truth. Are all monsters this stupid? There's no need to be rude. I've seen a lot of kidnappings in my time, and this looked like a kidnapping to me. But if these men were your family, why were they carrying you to the river? <sighs> I suppose I can't fault you for not understanding. But didn't either of you think before you rushed ahead to do violent heroism? It was his idea. Shut up. Let's start over. Why were your family carrying you to the river? Well, none of them wanted to do it. But it was not up to them. It was an edict from the great king of numinous power. The great king of what now? He's a fearsome spirit who rules over Chin Village. He demands that tribute be made every year. A virgin boy and a virgin girl offered for his dinner. What kind of king eats his own people? That's rich coming from you, Pigsy. You'd eat anything. If the great king's demands are met, he blesses us with bountiful harvests and seasonal rains. Plentiful fish from the river. Without him, our village will surely perish. Well, your days of fearing this king are over. Come with us and we will protect you. My father warned me about trusting strangers. Someone's coming! A figure emerged from the woods behind them. He was fearsome to behold, a red-faced monk with a necklace of skulls. He looked around at the fallen soldiers in dismay. What's going on here? Monkey, did you attack a bunch of innocents again? Xiaobu Jin! 
glad you finally caught up. Don't worry, girl. He's with us. But Jin Yu wasn't even looking at Sha Wu Jin. Her gaze was on the next man who appeared from the underbrush, a monk in a simple robe with a calm and trustworthy face. Jin Yu's mouth fell open at the sight of him. <gasps> Is that... May I present my master, Xuanzan, or as he's known in the East, Tripitaka. Chin Xuanzan? That's him. Pardon his quietness. He has taken a vow of silence today and still has a couple of hours left. I've heard so many of your stories. <sighs> um, it's an honor to meet you, Tripitaka. I'm Chen Jin Yu. Since we share a family name, we must be related. Chin Jin Yu? Your parents named you Chin Goldfish? Quiet, monkey. I want to talk to your master. Seeing Tripitaka as someone she could trust, Jin Yu told them the full story of her village. She told them how the so-called Great King of Numinous Power had come to their village and demanded his sacrifices. How after years of this, her father and uncle had no choice but to offer up their own children as the final sacrifice. That she and her cousin Gwyn Bao were the only virgins left. The strange thing is, none of us even know what the king looks like. One of his first commands was that we close our windows when he arrives. A curious choice for a demon. Usually they show off their fearsome appearance to strike terror into their victims. Maybe there is some weakness he does not wish you to see. You may be right, Shaojin. But there is no weakness my family could exploit without risking the lives of everyone in the village. <sighs> I will do my duty. But perhaps Master will think of a third way. A plan to get you out of this horrible arrangement. He's good at that. I... I will wait. But not for long. Night settled in around them. Tripitaka wandered off to meditate on the dilemma. How to save this girl's life without dooming her village. Chi went to sleep, and Sha Wu Jin left to guide the injured villagers back to their homes. Monkey sat beside the fire with the girl Jin Yu. So, you've been with Tripitaka on all his adventures? That's right, and my cleverness has gotten us out of many a scrape. Really? You? Excuse you, child. What do you know about adventures? Just the stories. I hear that Tripitak is a wise and noble man, and his disciples are rash and impulsive. Sometimes heroism requires swift thinking. The stories say that they get you into trouble more often than they help. Well, whoever told you those stories is a real jerk. <laughs> now who sounds like a child? That's it. I need to... Sound like a child! Yeah! What? I know how we're going to save your town! Sun Wukong leapt into the air, bounced off a shred of mist, and vanished into the treetops. 
Jin Yu stared up after him, confused. A moment later, something fell back down and alighted in front of her, a boy about her age wearing an orange tunic. Jin Yu recognized Monkey's impish smile. Pigsy and I will take your place as sacrifices. At the hour of the third watch, two small children took up a position by the banks of the river. One was a young boy grinning ear to ear in spite of himself. The other was a young girl who oinked and grunted with annoyance. The magic could disguise their outward appearances, but Sun Wukong and Chu Ba Chi still sounded like themselves. This is humiliating. Quiet, Pigsy. Easy for you to say. You're not disguised as a girl. Someone who looks like you should enjoy being pretty for once. So, what's the plan? We wait for this great King Numskull to show up and see which one of us he eats first. What? That's a horrible plan. Not if he eats you first. Gambling with your companion's life isn't very Buddhist, monkey. True. But selflessly putting yourself in harm's way to save innocent virgins? That sounds very Buddhist to me. I must have missed that lesson. Shh. Look. Something strange was happening on the surface of the water. A pale mist floated over the waves, shrouding the bank completely. The lights from the village became like tiny fireflies in the distance. Through this mist, a dark figure approached, one silent step at a time. There was a golden helmet upon his head, and a sash of red clouds encircled his waist. His eyes glinted like distant stars, and his teeth appeared like a heavy saw, barely contained by his lips. Sun Wukong shivered as he approached. The demon seemed to carry a cold air with him. I've built up quite an appetite over the year. You two look simply delicious. What family has provided the sacrifice this year? Uh, great king of numinous power, it is an honor to be your sacrifices this year. Though we are young, we respect your power and your authority. I am Chin Guinbao, and my sister is Chin... Goldfish. Um, yeah, I I mean... Yeah, uh, we are quite pious children. We worship you. My, 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 such articulate youths. I shall savor every morsel of you, starting with the little girl. What? No, please, my lord. Eat my brother first. He's far more tender. I still have to ripen? My sister is too kind. Really, you should eat her first. She's just anxious that you won't like her. She's eaten nothing but pork chops this week to ensure her meat is the sweetest. What is going on here? Nothing. We are just... just... Oh, screw it. Take that! Panicking, Chubachi reached down beneath the altar and swung his rake upwards. It caught the demon just below the jaw, causing it to reel in surprise. 
You're not children. You're a pig. What? Afraid of a little ham in your supper? Ah, enough! I have no time for fooling around with two trickster spirits. Trickster spirits? Oh, we are not trickster spirits. We are disciples of Tripitaka, on a quest for the Bodhisattva Guan Yin. You will surrender to us, or you will perish. Sun Wukong reached into his tunic and produced his iron rod, which grew until it was as tall as the demon before them. He swung it with such force that it would crush a mountain. The demon twisted and suddenly its form was like smoke. The iron rod passed harmlessly through it, embedding in the soft silt beneath. Then it lashed out a foot, knocking Monkey into the dirt. I've had enough of this, pious changelings. You and this entire village will pay. There was a loud splash as the monster leapt back into the river. The fog dissipated as quickly as it had appeared. Sun Wukong removed their magical disguises and stared after their foe. Aw, rats! I was just getting warmed up. A foe who flees is no fun at all. I don't think you should have told him who we are, monkey. Psh. So what? Half of the demon world wants to eat our master for breakfast. Where's the harm in one more? Now we know that he's a creature of the river. We'll catch him tomorrow and make him carry us across. The pair turned and began to make their way back toward the village. What Monkey did not know was that this was more than just an ordinary demon. Even though it had fled, the fight was not yet over. The great king of numinous power would have his revenge. Coming up, Tripitaka's disciples face an unwelcome complication. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala, and we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organizations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows. Others operate in plain sight, all are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. Hurry up, monkey. We have to get back to tell Trippy Taco what happened. Now, what's the rush, Pigsy? The demon has been thwarted. You're hungry again, aren't you? So what? Like the proverb says, the priest half-fed is worse than dead. <laughs> ah, so you do listen to Tripitaka's lessons. Help! Sun Wukong, Chuba Chi, come quick! 
Sun Wukong and Chu Bachi ran through the sleeping village to the house where they'd been staying. The door was broken. Fragments of wood scattered throughout the chamber. The girl Jin Yu stood amongst the ruins, white as a sheet. What happened? Just a moment ago, I was asking Trippy Talk about his many adventures when the door exploded. That's mm, quite improbable. A strange mist filled the room, and monsters, dark shapes that struck out at us from the mist. And when the room cleared, Tripitaka was gone. A figure followed them through the door. It was Sha Wu Jin, holding his staff tightly in both hands. <sighs> I pursued them as far as I could. The trail ended in the river. The being must have taken Tripitaka beneath the waves. It knew who he was. I am sure of it. I just wish I knew how. It's all Monkey's fault. What? Hey, let's show some solidarity here. What happened? We lured the demon out as sacrifices. Then Monkey broke our cover to fight the demon. We would have beaten him if the stupid ape hadn't told the demon who our master was. He must have immediately sent his minions to kidnap the monk. Is this true? I don't know. It was a fight. People taunt during fights. Sun Wukong's gaze fell to Jin Yu. The girl's upper lip quivered. Tripitaka trusted you with this task. Now he's gone. When the Great King finishes with him, he'll come back from my village as well. Oh, you've doomed us all, monkey. Not giving Sun Wukong time to apologize, she ran out the doorway and vanished into the village. Sun Wukong watched her go, heart growing heavy. He tried to tell himself that she was just a kid, she'd been rude to him ever since they met, that there was no reason he should care what she thought of him. But he could not. She was right. He had failed them. If the master is gone, then I suppose that's the end of our quest. I think I might as well go back to my farm. Or maybe I could try my hand at being a river demon, like this great king fellow. Pigsy, do us all a favor and shut up. We made this mess, so it's our duty to unmake it. Come on, boys, we've got a demon to slay. You can't be serious. <laughs> Monkey did not reply. He jumped up onto a low-hanging cloud and shot off toward the river. Chu Bachi and Sha Wu Jin followed as fast as they could. Do you think this is possible? Of course! The demon would not have fled if he thought he could beat us. All we have to do is figure out where this fiend's lair is and lay a trap for him. We already tried laying a trap for him. It didn't work. Well, I'm ready for a do-over. How about you? Soon, the three disciples were back on the riverbank. The waves churned past. Even in the pre-dawn light, they could not see to the other shore. All right, team, here's the plan. Sandy and Pigsy, as you both know, I cannot fight underwater. I need you to swim to the bottom of the river and locate the demon's castle. Lure him back up to the surface, and once there, I will beat the snot out of him. One question. Yes, pork loin? What if he dives back in the water before you defeat him? Ha! He 
won't because he did not see my true form as a monkey. He will be completely unprepared for this attack. Don't you worry. I don't like this. This plan is doomed to failure. Don't you agree, Wujin? I've heard worse. Love the enthusiasm. Hop to it. Can't waste time when the master is going to become lunch. Though they both held reservations about this plan, Chu Ba-Chi and Sha Wu-Jin bowed to Sun Wukong's urgency. Sun Wukong watched them both jump into the river. Then he crossed his legs and closed his eyes. What are you doing sitting by the side of the river? Mm, Nothing that concerns a kid. Go bother someone else. Are you fishing? In a way, yes, I am. Now be gone. Jin Yu ignored him and sat on the shore. The sky turned a faint pink with the rising sun. It had been a long night, but neither Sun Wukong nor Jin Yu seemed ready to sleep. Jin Yu looked down into the heaven-reaching river, thinking. He's down there somewhere, isn't he? Chirpitaka, I mean. Not for long, goldfish. I have a cunning plan. Is it better than your last plan? Listen, kid, you think I'm some cosmic screw-up, don't you? Well, the stories do call you a disgraced immortal. Do the stories also mention how I made war on heaven itself? You? Yes, me. I was the king of Aulai, the great sage equal to heaven. It took all of heaven's mightiest warriors to bring me down. Ask anyone. I guess that is pretty cool. Thank you. Now I am a humble monk committed to following the righteous path. You should probably work on the humble part. That's what Trippy Taka keeps saying. In that moment, something massive burst forth from the waves. It was the Demon King, locked in battle with Chu Chi and Sha Wujin. In broad daylight, he looked, if possible, even more fearsome than he had when shrouded in mist. He was like a man, but tall and covered in dull scales. His teeth were sharp, his mouth like that of a dragon's. He was armored as before, only this time he was ready for combat. He brandished a bronze mallet at his opponents, parrying and returning their blows with ease. Chubachi swung his rake at the demon's head, and the demon dodged. A rake? I did not realize I was fighting a gardener. Oh, laugh all you want, demon. I've tilled more deadly fields than you, ha ha. What sort of weapon is that? Seems more appropriate for a silversmith than a warrior. (laughs) I am no laborer. My bronze mallet was forged among gods. Bachi, stop the weapon talk. We must uh, get him to the shore. Xiao Wujin swung a mighty blow at the back of the demon's head. The demon raised his hammer to block it, but the force of Wujin's staff still sent the demon careening towards the shore, where Monkey and Jin Yu sat. 
rotten goldfish! What did you call me? I wasn't talking to you, baby eater. Sun Wukong swung his golden staff at the demon as hard as he could. In the moment before it connected, he saw something strange in the demon's eyes. It looked like it recognized him. The blow connected between the demon's legs, causing him to double over. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Let's see you recover from that, great king numbnuts! The demon looked up from his bent-over position and grinned. How about we go for a swim, Sun Wukong? The demon's hand closed over Sun Wukong's leg. He fell backward, pulling the both of them into the river. The water engulfed Sung Wukong and his adversary. He bit and kicked and struck at his opponent, but the water slowed him down. His fists bounced off the demon harmlessly. He felt its grip tighten around his legs, dragging him deeper and deeper. He could breathe underwater, but could not fight. He was helpless. Oh, how I love seeing you, helpless Sun Wukong. It truly brings back memories. Sun Wukong opened his mouth to retort, but the water muffled all of his curses. <laughs> I will so enjoy eating your master. You'll be the perfect side dish. Not so fast, river demon. Sun Wukong looked up. To his surprise, Chu Ba Chi was barreling toward them, swinging his rake wildly. He was an even better fighter underwater, managing to score several good hits against the beast. It released Sun Wukong, and the Monkey King surged upwards. <sighs> Sun Wukong broke the surface and collapsed limply to the shore. <sighs> Remind me to never do that again. Coming up, we'll see how Monkey and his companions rescue Trippy Taka. Now back to the story. The girl Jinyu watched in horror as the river surged before her. Just under the waves, Sun Wukong was fighting for his life. The monster that had plagued Jinyu's village for years was proving a deadly opponent to even these skilled warrior monks. She saw it drag the Monkey King into the waves, and then saw Chubachi, the pig spirit, jump in after it. After what felt like an eternity of rough currents, the water stilled. Sun Wukong was the first to break free. Soaked from head to toe, he was no longer his unflappable, energetic self. He seemed cold, small, and shivering. He dragged himself to the nearest log, where he began to wring the water out of his tiger skin tunic. <sighs> Remind me to never do that again. Monkey, are you all right? I'm fine. Just need to rest. Where's your staff? Wait, what? Did the demon steal my golden class wishing staff? Chubachi emerged from the river a moment later, pig-like snout wrinkled in frustration. 
More like you dropped it while you were busy drowning. I do not drown. I'll have you know I can breathe underwater. Just because you can breathe doesn't mean you were winning that fight. If I hadn't saved you... Yes, yes, you were very helpful, Pigsy. And that's all the thanks I get? Sure, now we're even. Even? What for? For you blowing our cover last night. As the pig and monkey argued, Jin Yu turned to Sha Wu Jin, who leaned up against a nearby tree. Do they always bicker like this? You get used to it. They tire each other out like newlyweds. Chirpitaka could be dead by now. The demon will come from my village. We don't have time for this. <sighs> you make a fair point. Hey, monkey, didn't you find it strange that the demon recognized you? Oh, quiet, Sandy. We're not finished here. You're right. He called me by my name when I hadn't introduced myself. <gasps> I know exactly the person who can help us here. I am on friendly terms with the Bodhisattva Guanyin, and something tells me that she will know what to do. There you are again, running to mommy for help. Excuse you! There's nothing wrong with asking for assistance. What you call asking for assistance, I call admitting failure. Go suck an egg, Pigsy. I'm done fighting with you. Did you see that? I won our argument! Sure, Pigsy. Sure. Sun Wukong's mind raced as he sped through the clouds. He had visited Guan Yin's home before. It had only been a few years since he requested her help at the Eagle Grief Stream. During that visit, she had warned him then that he could not rely on her to solve every problem. But now they were desperate. Sun Wukong had taken for granted just how fragile his human master was. He'd let his own pride and recklessness endanger them yet again. It was past time to set things right, but he could not do it alone. The Monkey King had no time to deal with heavenly bureaucracy today. He breezed past Guan Yin's attendants and went straight for her chambers. He stepped through her doors, and his mouth fell open in shock. Guan Yin was one of the most elegant figures in heaven. Every time he'd seen her over the last 600 years, she'd been clad in the most elegant of robes, made up perfectly with her hair in its signature coiled dragon bun. The woman before him was almost unrecognizable. Her hair was down, and she had no makeup on her face. She wore only a few undergarments, a silk skirt, and waistcoat. She did not even look in his direction when he entered, focusing instead on cutting a stalk of bamboo with a knife. What do you want, monkey? Guan Yin! Uh, hi, uh... Remember what you said about us not coming to you for help unless we really need it? Yes. We really need it. I'm busy, Sun Wukong. Can't you see that? Yes. I am sorry to burst in on you in such a state of... undress, but Tripitaka... Is he in danger? You could say that. A demon dragged him to the bottom of the river and plans to eat him. And you were powerless to stop this? This demon is unlike any we've faced. Cunning, powerful, skilled with magic. This wouldn't be by the heaven-reaching river, would it? How did you know? Let's go. 
Guan Yin stood, sliding the knife into her sash. Sun Wukong finally saw what she'd been making. In her hands was a basket woven of bamboo strips. She fit the final strand into place and admired her work. Then she looked at him. What are you waiting for? Aren't you going to get dressed? You said this was urgent. Right, let's go. The monkey and the bodhisattva rode a cloud back down towards the heaven-reaching river. Sun Wukong kept his eyes on the journey, as curious as he was about why Guan Yin was so troubled today. Jin Yu dragged a stick across the mud by her feet. She'd been waiting with Chu Ba Qi and Sha Wu Jin for hours, hoping that Sun Wukong would not be too late. Then the clouds broke above her, and she looked to the sky. Golden sunlight poured down from the heavens. Wreathed in the light was the Bodhisattva Guan Yin. Jin Yu's mouth fell open in awe. Guan Yin floated down to the surface of the water, Sun Wukong hovering behind her on a cloud. One by one, people from the nearby village gathered along the riverbanks to watch in awe as Guan Yin dipped her basket into the river and withdrew it. <sighs> there, Sun Wukong. You may go save your master now. That's it? But there's a demon beneath those waves! No, there is not. He is here in my basket. Sun Wukong peeked in the basket and his mouth fell open in shock. That's a goldfish. Not just any goldfish. One reared in my lotus pond. As I gave lectures, he would float to the surface and listen, learning how to use my magic. That bronze mallet he wielded is the stalk supporting an unopened lotus bud. Years ago, he finally used what he'd learned to escape and make his home here. Incredible. Can we eat him? What? Your goldfish. If it's not too much to ask, most glorious bodhisattva. He's eaten so many of my kin. It is what he deserves. But no, child. I have punishment enough waiting for him back in heaven. Those who dine on revenge soon find that no subsequent meal is sweet enough. Do you understand? Yes, my lady. Oh, you're in trouble now, goldfish. Look at you with your dumb eyes and your gaping open mouth. Oh, not so scary now, are you? You aren't even gold. You're more like an orange fish. A lame, stupid little orange fish. Sun Wugong, little girl, please stop taunting my goldfish. Oh, sorry, ma'am. But he tried to drown me. Without another word, Bodhisattva Guan Yin floated back into the sky, and the clouds closed in around her. She went back to her home in the South Sea, and even Tripitaka would not see her for some time. Though she'd been there for only a few short moments, her brief appearance would inspire a wave of artwork from those in the village who could paint. 
Guan Yin holding the fish basket would become a popular painting among her devotees, and no goldfish pretending to be a demon tried to terrorize the village ever again. Chu Baqi and Sha Wujin retrieved Tripitaka from the bottom of the river, and he turned out to be perfectly unharmed, if a little wet. An ancient sea turtle who had witnessed the whole story volunteered to take them across the river to continue their journey. But before they left, Sun Wukong had to speak with someone. Hey there, kid. Where are you going to next? Same place as always, west. I can't wait to hear the stories they tell about you all. Eh, they'll probably be exaggerated and full of overblown prose. Even so, you're not a cosmic screw-up monkey. Not all the time, anyways. Thanks, kid. And do me a favor. Be careful next time you go fishing. That was the last I ever saw of Tripitaka, Sun Wukong, and their companions. They vanished over the horizon riding the back of a turtle. But just because they never visited Chin Village again doesn't mean that they're gone from our lives. They live on in my memory of that day. Memory is, after all, the surest form of immortality. The twist at the end of this story underlines a common motif in Journey to the West. Often the villains and adversaries Tripitaka and company encounter are revealed to be little more than heavenly animals. This recurring pattern has inspired much debate amongst readers throughout the years. Is the goldfish a metaphor for the transformative power of enlightenment? A cautionary tale about misusing wisdom? Scholars like Hu Shi would say that these questions are missing the point. In a 1923 essay, he wrote, Shi Yoji, for these several centuries, has been ruined by countless Taoists, monks, and Confucians. The Taoists said, This book is a volume of wondrous formulas for the golden elixir. The monks said, This book is about the method of mind cultivation in the gate of Chan. The Confucian said, this book is one on the principles of rectifying the mind and rendering sincere the will. These interpretations are the great adversaries of Shi Yoji. He elaborated in his introduction to the 1943 abridged American edition, translated by Arthur Whaley. Freed from all kinds of allegorical interpretations, Journey to the West is simply a book of good humor, profound nonsense, good-natured satire, and delightful entertainment. Philosophers may bristle at this analysis, calling it a dismissal, and to an extent it is. But if you take Hu's view, there is value to profound nonsense. Hu points out that the line between important literary works and pure escapism has always been blurry. People may say there's a clear divide between popular entertainment and true art, but in the grand scope of human history, all that matters is that the story thrills, transports, and entertains its readers. If a story is still entertaining 500 years after its publication, then it becomes a legend.
Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next week for another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim, Drew Lawn, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, each week we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.